Presented by the United States Sentencing Commission, this is Sentencing Practice Talk, a regular podcast for federal sentencing practitioners covering topics of interest. Here are your hosts, Abisay Bayisa and Rachel Pierce. Rachel, I want to talk about my favorite subject, the one that I get on a soapbox about all the time. And I know you do too, so. I do. <laughs> uh, and that subject is stipulations. Let's do it. Right? Stipulations specifically as defined in 1B1.2A and C. Mm-hmm. Um, so the reason I wanted to talk with you about it is because I got, I got this case uh, or somebody asked a question on the helpline and it just reminded me of like how misunderstood this specific section of the guidelines are. Mm-hmm. And the issue is this, right? There's a case where a defendant pled guilty to one bank robbery. Mm-hmm. But then in his statement of facts in the plea agreement, he states, or the plea, well, the statement of facts say that he also robbed um, three more banks, Mm -hmm. right? So that's four additional banks. See it all the time. Right. And then the probation officer is calling because the prosecutor is telling her that this is a stipulation as defined in 1B1.2. And that she actually should treat this case as if he had been convicted of or as if he had pled guilty to four bank robberies. And, you know, because and then go into the grouping and actually additional right, counts. Right. Which you would assign units and all of that. And so I had a really hard time <clears throat> trying to, like, walk her through this because I think this is another example of where the guidelines says something and then you have to keep reading the application mm-hmm. notes and then possibly reading some cases. So I want to talk a little bit about stipulations. Mm -hmm. Um, So maybe we should start with what they say, right? We say specifically in 1B1.2a, the second sentence says, uh, in a case of a plea agreement written or made orally on the record containing a stipulation that specifically establishes a more serious offense than the offense of conviction, determine the offense guideline section in Chapter 2, applicable to this uh, stipulated offense. And then later, I guess as a follow-up to that, in 1B1.2c, the guidelines say, a plea agreement written or made orally on the record containing a stipulation that specifically establishes the commission of additional offenses Mm -hmm. shall be treated as if the defendant had been convicted of additional counts charging those offenses. Mm -hmm. So I think the the caller's uh, helpline question is more more I guess related to C, which is more offenses, right? And As opposed to more serious, although that could be, it more, could serious, be more serious depending on the facts. And I think the case. So then the question is, you know, how do we explain like stipulations? What mm-hmm. is a stipulation? Mm-hmm. Um, thoughts? How do you explain stipulations when people call? Well. You know, there's a lot of language in the application notes that talk about how it has to be very clear right. in the charging document, in the, in the plea agreement, that the defendant is agreeing that they have uh, committed these, or stipulating, because that's the language, mm-hmm. has, have committed these additional offenses or more serious offenses, uh, that everyone's aware that it's a stipulation for such purposes, that that's going to result in... Uh, an increased guideline calculation, and it's not a surprise. Everyone's aware of this. It's not. It's not sufficient that it's just in the statement of facts, because the statement of facts is simply that. It's a statement of facts. It's right. not 
a stipulation to additional offenses. And, you know, I don't, I, we don't get into the business of telling the government how to charge their offenses or write their plea agreements or whatever the case may be. Right. But I think the language is very clear that a stipulation has to be such very specific and that, again, both parties are totally aware. I like the way you talk about it. It's like, it's not a surprise. We're going into court hand in hand. We all know what we're doing. It, it shouldn't be a situation where the probation officer starts to calculate these additional offenses as if the defendant had been convicted of them. And then we get to court and everyone's like, whoa, 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 where is this coming from? Right. And I think, I mean, I look at the language um, which says a, stif a stipulation that specifically establishes mm -hmm. the commission of additional offenses. And I was so curious about this, I actually started trying to find cases mm -hmm. about it. And I actually found a Supreme Court case called U.S. v. Braxton, which mm -hmm. I know is the case that says, oh, the commission can solve like circuit conflicts. But really, there's a whole other question in Braxton about what is a stipulation. Mm. And the courts there said, Basically, for 1B1.2a to apply, that is um, a stipulation to a more serious offense, mm -hmm. there must not only be a stipulation, but a stipulation that specifically establishes a, a more serious offense. And they go on to say that, you know, this language is, is, very, is written very narrowly, mm -hmm. right? Agreed, agreed. And that it isn't supposed to cover necessarily just statements of fact. Mm -hmm. um, it is supposed to cover um, things where the defendant is is agreed. Agreed, right? right? Mm -hmm. And I think you and I sort of know what's not a stipulation. Right. One of the things that I have talked about is examples of when people do it right. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. Because sometimes I get calls and they say, well, if I wanted to do a stipulation, like, how, how would I do how that? Would I, exactly. And what I always tell people is, you know, instead of sort of, one, it's like you said, a stipulation should never be a surprise. Mm -hmm. A stipulation can't be one where one or another party shows up to court wondering where the heck are these guidelines coming from. Right, exactly. And so I say, and with that in mind, right, I tell people, look, you got to put this in the plea agreement and, 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 live out this specifically establishes. Right. <laughs> and so I tell people one place to do it is to put it in the actual plea, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Do the guidelines. Mm -hmm. Like, if you wanted this particular defendant to be responsible for four bank robberies rather than one, then calculate out the guidelines and say, you know, pursuant to 1B1.2A or C, depending on which one, the defendant is specifically stipulating to the following, this is what the guidelines would be, this is how we think it would work, or make some reference to 1B1.2. Absolutely, that's always a good, a good plan. So that we know somebody read this and agreed to it, because I think when you just put it in the statement of facts in a plea, you're not really, you're not really getting to what this is supposed to do. Right, that language would absolutely satisfy the, what the guideline talks about right. in that both parties have to be aware and that the guideline calculations are going to affect, right. uh, you know, the, the defendant's sentence, increasing the defendant's sentence. So certainly that, that's a good way to handle right. that. And I like what you said about, you know, you can't like stumble your way yeah. into a stipulation, right? And it's got to be something where 
both parties have agreed to it and they're going into court with an agreement. Mm-hmm. Right. Excellent. Okay, well, hopefully that's going to clear some things up for folks. I'm sure we're going to keep getting calls well, we on do, we do. We do get a lot of calls like this, and, and I think that's one of the reasons why we wanted to have this discussion is just to sort of lay it out for everyone, let them know what we've seen, what we know goes on, right. and how we, we think the guidelines should work. Right. Thanks. This wraps up our episode of Sentencing Practice Talk, today brought to you by the United States Sentencing Commission. Thanks so much for listening, and be sure to check back often for new topics. Sentencing Practice Talk, a regular podcast on federal sentencing issues. Please be advised that information provided by the Commission staff is offered to assist in understanding and applying the sentencing guidelines. The information does not necessarily represent the official position of the Commission, should not be considered definitive, and is not binding upon the Commission, the Court, or the parties in any case. <music>